0: Don't call it a comeback, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P D hey, my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city That's before tough. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking
1: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Ranked there? uh above 80th. Hey Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh, this is not hello? good. This is the press box. you ESPN, I'm, D- I'm on with Grady and Bischoff. Ed, disconnect. Hi, there. Ed, check your phone. You're sending
0: us messages. Yes, we hello? hear you. Disconnect. On ESPN,
1: Las Vegas. Las Vegas.
2: Did you hear me saying hello, and you were yelling at me to disconnect? Yes, I was. That's oh, that's
0: awesome. What
1: I'm here, baby,
2: back in Denver. Here's the 1100, 100.9 FM. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Barely. Really?
0: <laughs> no, you're good. Is it bad? You're good. <laughs> bad, bad connection? You hope it's bad connection. You'll run away from us soon. I
2: got the uh, get the earbuds in. I can barely hear you. Ah, I might as well get started.
1: The first bite.
2: Get started.
1: <laughs> can the
2: Golden Knights continue to shut down the Colorado Avalanche? Well, I'll tell you this, it better be up to the Avalanche. I know they're home, Tyler, and they're going to get the, you know, the inspiration from their home crowd, which is loud. It's not t mobile Arena, but for games uh, uh, one and two here, it was pretty loud. I mean, I don't know how much of a difference made, but to me, like, it's all on them now. I mean, it's been like eight periods where the Golden Knights have kind of had their way for the most part, and I just don't think the Avalanche can come home and say, well, we're home and we never lose here, and that's just going to be it and we'll win, so... I think they have to do a lot more than the Golden Knights have to do in terms of, you know, changing the narrative right now.
0: Yeah, so some numbers here on how dominant the Golden Knights have been the last two games. The Colorado Avalanche at 5-on-5 expected goal rate is 26%. And individual players, only one guy is over 40% for the Colorado Avalanche. To put that in perspective, this year when the Golden Knights played the Anaheim Ducks, the Anaheim Ducks expected goals rate was 44%. And the Avalanche the last two games are at 26%. Like, the last two games, the Golden Knights have made the Avalanche look worse than they made all of the terrible teams in the West during the regular season. And they made the terrible teams in the West look awful during the regular season. And what's fascinating to me is I thought we would see it from Colorado in game four. Because Jared Bednar came out and criticized his team and said, it's been two games where we have been outplayed by the golden Knights, but we didn't see it. Game four was worse than game three. And so I like, I like we talked yesterday, you know, all about, Making them, the Avalanche, play 200 feet hockey and right, making Nathan McKinnon take it from his defensive zone all the way and into the offensive zone because that's really hard to do. And how good the Golden Knights have been in the neutral zone and how the Golden Knights aren't letting the Avalanche carry the puck in. If you're the Avalanche, I mean, you have to make some sort of adjustment that has like a material difference on this game because if you get in here and the first period goes by and there's no change in how this is played out, like what in the hell is Colorado doing? Like you had you got the top overall seed in all of hockey, and you stay you take a two nothing lead in this series, and then the next two games, and if it happens again in game five, three games in a row, you get basically embarrassed by the Golden Knights. Like that's that's brutal. And I just I have a hard time imagining that's going to happen. But again, I thought it was gonna change in game four.
2: Yeah. I think we all did to some degree that they would be better. Um, I guess this means never have team meetings because Jared <laughs> Bednar uh, said over and over. Uh, I was on a Zoom with his availability. Uh, I believe Friday, uh, maybe it was. Uh, well, I don't know what day we're talking about. It was Sunday morning. It was Sunday morning, and he kept talking about uh, or Saturday they were going to have a meeting at five o'clock the day before the next game, and they were going to figure things out. They had looked at all the video. They knew what was happening. They knew how to fix it, and then they didn't fix it, which it shocked me. I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, I was surprised the Golden Knights won at home uh, or that they won both at home, given how well they play there. I was just shocked how it played out on Sunday. That was far more shocking than anything, that it was just such domination. Um, you know, I, I I know you have in here is Mark Stone better than McKinnon. Well, here's the thing about that. Mark Stone's line's been better for this series, and that's all it needs to be. I mean, it's not a better line talent wise or skill wise. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, you know, with McDavid are probably the two best players in the world. So, um, but they don't need to worry about that. It's like, it's like um, DeBoer saying he doesn't care where the next game is. It doesn't matter if, you know, they're a better line overall. It matters they're a better line this series. And for four games, they've been the better line. So if they can do that for two more wins. I don't think they care if they're a better line, right? I mean, I don't think they care if, like, people say they're a better line. Um, they're doing a great job pumping up that line. We talked about this yesterday. They're doing a great job playing the underdog role, and they continue to say best line in the world, best player in the world. They, lo- I think they love to do that. Um, so, yeah, so far the Stones line been better. And, like I said, two more wins. They'll move on to play Montreal, and no one will really care, you know, overall who the better line is.
0: What you're looking at is two teams playing each other that are kind of in a similar situation where they've been really good in the regular season recently, but don't have much postseason success to show for Golden Knights did make it to the final four teams last year, so it's not fair to say they haven't done anything, but like the Colorado Avalanche last year were a really good team and they lost in the second round. Now they had some injuries and goaltending problems that led to that, but they still lost in the second round. And now this year, I mean, the Avalanche came in as overwhelming favorites to win the Stanley cup, like overwhelming. Uh, And now they're looking at a series where if they don't adjust, they're going to lose in six, they're going to lose four straight games. If something doesn't change. So you're looking at two teams that are kind of in the same boat where they've been really good in the regular season. And this season in particular, maybe the best team in hockey. And now you're looking at the playoffs and looking at their recent success and saying, okay, but what do you actually do when you get to the playoffs? And there was a column written in the Denver post about Jared Bednar, And if basically he should be fired, if the avalanche don't find a way to beat the golden Knights, which is a very harsh thing to write when the series is still two to two, but I don't think it's that far off base because Jared Bednar, he's been the coach in Colorado. This is his fifth season, four straight years in the playoffs, but he's never been past the second round. And that's not too terrible in his first two years, but the last two years he's had a team that you looked at and thought that's a team that could or should win the Stanley cup. And if they don't get out of this playoff round, especially after being up two nothing, like I think you're looking at Jared Bednar and saying, yeah, what's wrong, especially the way the series is gone and how there has seemingly been no change or whatever change the Avalanche tried to put in place had no effect whatsoever on the outcome of game four.
2: Yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, it's columnists have every right to write what they want. It is after two, two, but like you said, there's evidence uh, that points to that. They should have been a lot better than they have been. Um, so, I, I look, I don't know what's going to happen in Denver or with Jared Bednar. Um, it's funny because we were talking, and obviously DeBoer's not going anywhere, but I was being asked the same questions by people about had they lost to Minnesota, right? You know, uh, would they blow the team up to Golden Knights? How many changes would have to come? Because they were one of the favorites the last few years, and they lose to Dallas. Nobody thought that would happen. And then Minnesota, while they gave them some matchup problems, obviously, uh, what would happen had they lost that series to the team? And I think there would have been major, major changes because I think at that point, you've got to look at, at everything had had they lost it. I don't know if they come and lose this series. If it's major changes, you're still losing to a team that is essentially thought better than you overall. Um, so I think it's easier to explain away, should they lose the series to Golden Knights, that, well, just lost to a better team, played really, really well in some games, but overall they were better. Um, so I don't think that would happen with uh, the Golden Knights. But yeah, I mean, I look, I don't know Colorado's management or what they think of Bednar, um, but in pro sports, if you're supposedly the, you know, the best team each year and it never gets done, I don't think we're any so, ever surprised that they move on from people. They're going to move on from Jer- Jared Bednar quicker than they are uh, those players. Yeah. They have some cap problems coming up, but I think they're going to make it mo- work for the most part and, and keep this, you know, core in, in place. And they're going to be really good for the next few years. So I would think for his stability, they need to beat the Golden Knights and move on.
0: So the problem for this series is that you have the two teams that have the most points in the NHL playing in the second round. So it's, it's really hard to sell, hey, we had a good season when you have the first or second points, but you lose in the second round. But I think a lot of it has to do with how you lose. And like to take the Golden Knights, for example, last year when they lost to Dallas, in the Western Conference Final, that was a bad way to lose because they were favored to win that series and lost four straight games where they simply could not score. And when you go back to the Minnesota series, had they lost to Minnesota in a situation where they failed to score goals where they had an offensive drought, then you're looking back saying, okay, what's wrong with the team? What's wrong with the Golden Knights in the playoffs because they can't score? Now, they got it done, and they closed that series out in seven, but then we get into this series and had the Golden Knights to lose their first two games, they get embarrassed in game one. If they had gotten swept or lost in five to Colorado, we're probably having that conversation about, okay, what's wrong with this team? Sure, you lost to Colorado, who's good, but you shouldn't have gotten swept or lost in five. So it's important how you lose. I think at this point, if the Golden Knights lose this series in seven, it's pretty easy to look back and say, Colorado's really good. We just were unfortunate to play them in round two. We're not making any major changes. But had they lost in four or five, you might have a different conversation. And now for the Avalanche, you're kind of looking at that, and it's how you lose. Because we haven't seen any material change over the last two games from the Avalanche and how they play and how they want to attack the Golden Knights and actually show some success in doing it. That's a bigger deal than than actually losing. Is if they don't, if, they're, if none of their adjustments work and they lose four straight to the Golden Knights, like I think you almost have to fire Jared Bednar at that point because. That's his job. Like, you've got the best roster in hockey, or at least people think you have the best roster in hockey, and you can't make a single meaningful adjustment. If It's a big assumption they lose the next two the same way, but if that happens, I think you have to fire the coach because that's his one job, adjusting the playoffs to good teams and find a way to win with a talented roster.
2: Yeah, and you're talking, again, who's who's going to evaluate the most? Joe Sakic, who, you know, uh, knows how, you know is uh, a Hall of Fame player who, who knows hockey, and I would think if he's sitting there, and watching what's happening, you're exactly right. You know, so much of this is about perception. Like you just said, had the Knights been swept or beaten in five, then it's a different story than if you lose in seven. It's all perception. But you're right. If it, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I sat there on Saturday saying, well, the, the, the Avalanche can't play that way again. And I don't know if they're going to win on Sunday because, again, the Knights and the crowd and all of that, I, I get that of how well they played at home. But the most alarming part was it got worse. And so if you're telling me tonight here in Denver it stays the same, I guess that could happen until I see different. That's why I said in the opener, like, this is all on Colorado. This isn't on the Knights. And that's why Pete DeBoer said yesterday, I don't care where the game is. Well, he shouldn't at this point. They've dominated for eight straight periods. I wouldn't care where it was either Um, until the Avalanche can prove that, you know, they can get some kind of rush going, that they can get something through the neutral zone, that they can get, you know, do something that they haven't done for eight periods. Then if I'm Pete DeBoer, I'm like just stay the course. Yeah, like you know, this is all on Colorado. Now if the Colorado comes back and wins five-one tonight, and it looks like the old Colorado, then again tomorrow we're talking about a completely different narrative.
0: Yeah, like as a coach, you should be somewhat prepared for your opponent to adjust and try to anticipate what adjustments they're going to put in place. But because the Golden Knights have been so dominant, I think you just go in and say, listen. We're not going to change anything at all. And we're just going to play because we've been so good that we'd be stupid to even think about changing anything. And if they play better than great, we'll figure it out from there. But they've been so dominant. It's, it's unreal how dominant they've been in the last few yeah, games. Like, it's unbelievable.
2: I think you do it for a period. They're, they get, you know, the whole thing about they get last change and they're going to get matchups and all that. That's fine. But I think at least to start the first period, 10 minutes or so, I don't change anything. Now, Obviously, they'll look. They'll, they'll know you know pretty fast what the adjustments remain in Colorado, and then they adjust, and it goes back and forth. But when the puck drops tonight, if I'm Pete DeBoer, I'm just like, look, you know, you're gonna have to match the line, you know, in terms of the change. But um, I I don't say I don't change anything. Ten minutes in, if you're down one zero, maybe that changes. But you know, we'll, we'll see tonight. Like I said, it, I'm gonna watch Colorado a lot closer than the Golden Knights tonight. I mean, you have to at this point. You have to say, what are they gonna do? All right, coming up
0: next, we will get into the NBA and are the Milwaukee Bucks done?
1: Want to be part of the show? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion.
0: James out of the right, up top to Durant. Fires a three straight on and it's good. When in doubt, just give it a number seven. Yeah, Yeah, or give it to Kevin Durant. He's got 21.
3: Defense is going to win us games down the stretch, but offensively playing the right way and trusting one another is, is those, those little plays that make the difference towards the end of the game where we don't have to go for it all right then and there, uh, whenever wherever the, wherever the score is. So, like I said, this team, we've grown so much, and we continue to do so. Obviously, we're missing James, and we're just filling in the, the, the pieces for him. It's
1: the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN, Las Vegas, eleven hundred AM and one hundred point nine FM.
0: Ed, I know you were traveling to Denver yesterday, so did you get to watch any of Bucks and Nets?
2: Uh, some, not much. Some that we uh, uh, you you will love. This as a side note. We we did get to watch some stuff because we were delayed. For two reasons. One, there was a tornado in Denver yesterday. You don't want to land in those. <laughs> um, and two, when, when we board the plane, we hear this announcement. It's going to take a while. The pilot is landing another plane in Terminal C. We were in B. So this character is landing what? other planes, and we're waiting for him to get off the plane and make his way over to B so he can fly us out. And I'm like, I hope this guy gets some coffee or some Jimmy Johns on the way over, because if not, I'm a little worried that he's landing planes and other terminals and coming to us.
0: Wait, but they boarded you guys before the pilot
2: got there? Yeah, because they thought he was gonna be there in ten minutes, you know, thirty minutes later, this character's still not there. (laughs) Where is this guy? Like and a side note as well, side note number two to Southwest. Every time we land, especially in Denver, well, folks. We got you here early. Long pause. They don't have a gate for us. So then, by the time you get to the gate 40 minutes later, you're not early. You're 10 minutes late. So quit telling me you're early. I digress.
0: Okay, hold on. No, no, don't digress. Let's i stay right here. I have, okay, I have been flying where, like, the pilot isn't there in time because they're landing another plane that was late. I fixed it, actually had one time where we waited in the airport for, like, three or four hours because... The, the pilot got so far behind that they had gone over the amount of hours they were allowed to fly without sleeping or some weird rule right. like that. So they had to right. go find another pilot and it took <laughs> them like three hours to just find another pilot that could fly our plane, but they never boarded us while we yes. waited for the pilots. Yes. Like, they boarded us saying
2: he, first of all, they say he's in route. So then they line us up, uh, one through 30, 30 through 60. Uh, we board the plane. um, I, I'm a happy guy at this point. Get the exit row with no no seat in front of me. It's beautiful. It's 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 wonderful. And then it's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. He's not here yet. I'm like, where is this guy? Uh 35 minutes later, he essentially uh, apparently got on the plane because you hear the doors close. Like the door, you know, the doors are closed. Uh they are secure. I'm like, well, I guess I guess pilot Joe finally got here. Uh so yeah, it's a, and then the oh, next worry shit. obviously you worry that when you fly to Denver the tornado's still zipping around, but it it had passed over uh several hours earlier. So, you know.
0: Oh, man. That's like anyway. br- the, there's not many places less comfortable than waiting outside your gate no. at an airport, but sitting on an airplane is one of those places yes. and I can't believe they put yes. you on and yes. wait, Ah, oh, the pilot will be here soon enough. Don't He'll worry. will be here.
2: Honey. They said 10 minutes, 30 minutes He's, later we're still waiting for Joe. He stopped at the bar. Don't worry well, about it. He always does this. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few between uh, Terminal C and B. He might have stopped
0: at. All right. So on the Bucs and Nets, <laughs> while Jared tries to steer us away from talking about his beloved Bucks getting torched yesterday, uh, here's the biggest we problem. We finally have
2: a good player that's not named Middleton.
0: Here's the problem yesterday for the Bucs. We know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are good. We know that those two guys might be unguardable, right? That might be the reason they win the title. That might be the reason they get there even without James Harden being 100% healthy. But the problem for the Milwaukee Bucks last night wasn't so much a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It was that Blake Griffin was as good as Giannis last night. And Blake Griffin dunked on Giannis. Blake Griffin had yeah, dunked, a dunked on him. Giannis, looked away, had an offensive rebound tip slam also in yeah. that game. And Giannis was for whatever reason, like timid about attacking Blake Griffin on the other end. Remember in the regular season, we talked about when these two teams played and James Harden wasn't in those games either because he was hurt. The biggest problem that I saw was okay, the Nets can't guard Giannis, right? We know the Nets aren't good defensively, but they really have a big problem because Giannis is just going to get layup after layup after layup because Blake Griffin and Jeff Green are the guys guarding him. For whatever reason, Giannis was like his first, the first play of the game was Giannis against Blake Griffin and Giannis took a fadeaway like 15 foot jumper. It's like, what the hell are you doing? So when Blake Griffin is going to play Giannis evenly, the Bucs are going to lose every game in this series by 30.
2: Yeah, from what I saw and you can help me out here, uh never mind that Blake Griffin didn't attack, or excuse me, Giannis didn't attack them. It appeared like anytime uh the Nets attacked the Bucks, they got off the dribble and they just made shots. It was it was just a complete blowout. The dunk was funny cuz it seemed like Giannis looked away. It didn't appear like Middleton made a shot all night. Um it was just a blowout. I mean, 49 at one point. Um you know, we talked about it yesterday. I think we did uh Bullsauer, I mean, you know, we're talking about Jared Bender getting fired. What are they going to do in Milwaukee if they get swept?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I doubt they get swept because, like, Giannis is really good at basketball and the Nets don't have James Harden. But, yeah, even if they don't get swept, if you lose this series, like, what are you doing as the Milwaukee Bucks? Because you're not even – you're not even Brad Stevens and the Celtics who have made three Eastern conference finals recently. Like the bucks can't even get that far. The bucks keep losing in the second. They lost to the heat last year. Like if you're the bucks, you're looking around saying what the hell is wrong with us? Like if you can't win with Giannis, the bucks are never going to win because they're never going to get that good of a player to stick around like Giannis is. So yeah, if you're the bucks, you're absolutely having like, there we talked. This was conversations last year with Budenholzer, right? People were were calling for Budenholzer after last season because they don't think his offense is good enough. They don't think he does enough to uh, maximize having Giannis on the floor. That there's too much. Just hey, put three point shooters around Giannis and let him attack, and it's too predictable in the playoffs and too easy to defend. But now, like especially the way these two games have gone, yeah, if you're the Bucks, Budenholzer's gone after this.
2: Yeah, they beat him twice. They beat the Nets twice in Milwaukee. So you're probably right. They'll get one at least. It's it's just. You know they could win the next one by fifteen. It's we've seen we see it all the times. Like oh my god, they lost by fifty and they have no chance to win. Like the next game they win. They don't have James
0: home. Harden and they can't yeah. they can't even compete with the Nets.
2: It's I, ridiculous. Is it? And this is going to sound crazy because Durant's one of the greatest ever, and you know they have Kyrie and all these. I've got to I've got to s- s- give them more credit than I think I was going to at this time of year when all, when these three got together. You said, "Boy, three great players. Is it going to work? How's it going to be? You know, the whole the whole cliche about are there enough balls to go around? What's going to happen?" I got to give him a lot of credit. I don't know how much it is Nash. Uh, you know, I was talking to uh, my son about Nash, and I'm saying, "You know what? Some of the, sometimes the hardest thing to do, and people hate to hear this, because the whole Phil Jackson, Pat Riley thing is, what are you going to do with those three superstars? Like, how's it going to work? And you, obviously, you'd rather have that than you know the alternative. You want superstars. I get that." I don't know about you, but when it first started, when the when the season first started, I'm like, okay, you know, some of them were hurt. and What's going to happen? Like, I'm way more impressed with them than I thought they would be, and I don't really know why. I didn't know how well it would work, but you watched them last night, and they've got to be the favorites to win it all. I, I didn't know if I would think that at the beginning
0: of the year. Well, here's the thing. They've lost one playoff game. They've played seven playoff games. They've only lost one. I think the idea of how do you handle these players is more about, okay, you've lost a couple of games. And if all three are healthy, Kyrie Irving's not getting as many shots as he wanted and is complaining no. or something no. like when you're winning, <laughs> nobody care. Like nobody's right. going to complain. It's, it's when they lose some games and maybe they don't, right. maybe they just roll through everybody. But maybe if they, they if they lose the next two in Milwaukee and then we hear, oh, somebody's not getting their shots or whatever right. it is like that's when it becomes, okay, how do you manage this team and these three players? But when you're winning everything, it doesn't really matter. All right, coming up next, Brett Lashbrook joins the show.
1: Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff.
0: Joining us now, the owner of Lights FC, Brett Lashbrook. Brett, I'm a little disappointed you're joining us after the only win your team has of the season and not one of these losses, so I can really yell at you.
3: It was a wonderful Saturday night. Uh, 7,000 people cheering and singing and dancing, and it was Viva Lights Fever.
2: You know, the one thing, and congratulations on the win. Uh, Tyler came in. He was not happy, and maybe this this is good for you guys because obviously he had a big crowd there. Uh, Happy for you. But Tyler was not happy that he got to Cashman Field at about 650 and did not park his car. I don't think it's a Toyota, by the way, Uh, (laughs) till 720. Backed up. That's good news for you. Bad news for Bishop.
3: Well, it's you know, glass half empty. the The, the people have spoken, coming out in, in droves. Uh, obviously, we'll get the, all those issues fixed and make sure it's a it's a smoother transition for Mister Bischoff next week. Try and get him some, you know, VIP parking in the front row if he treats me nice. It was like this
0: two years ago too. What are you talking about getting it fixed? It's not like this is a one time thing. This has happened the entire existence.
3: Tyler, you might be the only person who didn't leave smiling and happy from Saturday. It was a wonderful experience.
0: I didn't say I didn't leave smiling and happy. I just showed (laughs) up angry, (laughs) which is my general disposition anyway. Um, All right. So how do I get a Toyota so I can sit in my car behind the benches of one of these games?
3: Well, you go talk to my good friend, John Barr, who will do anything to sell you a car (laughs) at at Finley Toyota. All right. Nice nice little plug. I don't want to buy one. <laughs> He'll lease it to you. He's got great terms. Whatever you need to do, you'll be able to drive away in a nice, brand new Toyota. Uh, and then you can take it over here to Cashman Field. And for only $50, you can have the most COVID compliant seating in professional sport history. <laughs> we'll let you drive in through the old center field doors and park right behind the bench of the fourth official. You would love it, Tyler.
0: I would. I would. I'm just not going to buy or lease a Toyota to do it. You need to just, you know. Yeah, I what you if know, I, there's
3: got to be some viewers out there that like, yes, so you know, go print, be friends with them.
0: What if I just slap like I print off the Toyota logo and just tape it on the front of my car,
3: Tyler? Please, I wouldn't do that to my friend John Barr.
2: <laughs> I'm actually, uh, you know, Tyler's very, very committed to the team, season ticket holder. He spent a lot of money out there, he sat in a pool, uh, <laughs> RIP do- to Dolly. He loved Dolly, uh, we're sad about that. I can't yes. believe he hasn't been able to at some point negotiate like a car deal like coaches get. Like he, 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 can, he can negotiate, <laughs> you know, like the, these UNLV coaches, they all get cars, I think from Finley, actually. Uh, I think Bischoff might be in line for a little negotiation. I mean, I wouldn't give him like a luxury car, but there's got to be something out there he can tool in on.
3: You know, I bet he can strike a deal, but it's got to be wrapped. It's got to be wrapped with your and his face all over it, right? It's got to be a, a, a moving billboard. I bet we could get a deal done. But I'm Tyler okay may be too much. You know, he's, he's a little bit in vain, right? He doesn't want his face out there, but we, I bet we could do something.
0: No, fun. What you, of course I want my face out there. What are you talking about? <laughs> Please put my face out there. It'll be great. Um, okay. I do want to ask you, you did have a good crowd for your first game, but what is, uh, what have you seen as the negative responses to your team being affiliated with LAFC and not being a true Las Vegas team this year?
3: Oh, I, I, I disagree. I think overwhelmingly people are people want to see good soccer. People want to see uh, the game continue to grow here. I, listen, we're not going to judge it on a couple of weeks. This is, I hope, a long-term partnership with one of the premier clubs in North America. They just went to the finals of the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, I couldn't be more excited about our future with LAFC and what that could mean for us growing our, our team. And I'll just give an example from, from Saturday. I know you know this well, Tyler, but you know, a player like the profile of Danny Mazowski, born and raised in Henderson, one of UNLV's all-time uh, great soccer players playing for LAFC, to be able to get a player like him on loan to come, continue to get minutes, but to be one of the best players to ever play with the lights, Right, and to come on and play for the hometown team, those are just opportunities that this type of relationship and affiliations opening up. And I, I was on the phone with LAFC yesterday and brainstorming about how we can continue to grow this. So I, I'm really, really excited about it, and I and I think you could see by the fans' reaction on Saturday they they want they want to have a good time on a Saturday night with a good team, and that's what we provided.
0: Okay, you mentioned long term. Uh, agreement with LAFC or you want it to be long term with LAFC. Major League Soccer just announced they're going to have a a new development league that would basically be I think a step lower than what the USL championship is. So can this be a long term deal or is LAFC going to say no, we're just going to go join this like other MLS teams are going to do?
3: So it's a great question. I'm, I'm going to plead the, the fifth on it, and I'll let LAFC answer that at the appropriate time when, when MLS makes its appropriate announcements. But c- clearly the sport of soccer continues to grow by leaps and bounds at all levels across all communities, no different than how Major League Baseball and the Minor League Baseball pyramid grew over the last 50, 60 years into 100-plus some markets. Uh, so you, I think you're going to continue to see that with soccer. I think you're going to continue to see teams have more and more uh, teams that they are operating in that pyramid, if that makes sense. But I, I, I can only base on what, what I what I want in the conversations that we've had very recently with LAFC, that there is a really strong synergy here, and uh, we, we both want to grow this.
2: Brett we haven't talked to you, I don't think we have, since the A's made their trip into Las Vegas to look at potential sites. I think Tyler and I both thought the first uh, visit was leverage against Oakland, but we'll see in July if Oakland's willing to give them any money. Uh, right that brought up at one point with us in terms of the MLS as the A's came in there. We've not heard a lot about Klarman. We understand the pandemic. I talked to Bill Foley the other day about the NBA. He said, my number one concern is the MLS. I want the MLS. I think it would work here. Can you kind of, what did you think about the A's coming in comparative to what that could do to an MLS bid, if anything? And do you, can you tell us where Klarman sits? Like Where does this sit? Because there hasn't been really much news at all.
3: So I, I would say what everyone knows, we are a big international city. We are a major league city. It is not surprising to any of us on this call or listening in our cars uh, that that Las Vegas is very attractive to every major sports league and event and competition. So it, it doesn't surprise me at all that the, the A's and uh, the NBA and Major League Soccer are all interested in the market. You know, I, I think on Saturday nights we all compete against so much. There's so much going on here in this city that it's all additive, right? Raising tides raise all ships. So uh, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't concern me if, if from, from that perspective. As it relates to the the Klarman bid, you know, I always say the same thing, Ed, and I know you always roll your eyes when I say it. I really am a third party to that deal, right? That that's a conversation and a question for uh, Mayor Carolyn Goodman and, and City Council as to where that stands and what the level of appetite is. I, I'll call it on, on both sides after you know several months. All right, this this
0: idea of a of a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, you're in the summertime, which is pretty good because normally the Golden Knights aren't playing this late <laughs> into the season because the playoffs are a little bit later this year. But you're in the summertime; yeah. you don't have to compete for a good chunk of your season with the golden Knights or with the Raiders now, but if baseball came in now, the summertime sporting options would be your soccer team, the Las Vegas aces and major league baseball. Like, do, do you actually believe that a rising tide would raise you there? Or would that cut into, Hey, lights FC's crowd is cut down because there's a professional, a major professional sports team playing at the same time.
3: I, I think it's a fair question, but with 2.2 2 million people, uh, there's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of food to go around. The other thing that I would say, and I'm really proud of this, we have a niche that I'll call it Major League Baseball isn't playing at, right? We are incredibly affordable. We've got $10 adult tickets, $5 kids' tickets. Uh, we are in a different part of, of town, centrally located. Uh, I, I, am, I am 100% convinced that for years and years and years to come, we have a niche with the world's most popular sport and the world's most entertaining city at an, a very affordable price very centrally located 20 minutes from everywhere in the valley that that we that is our secret sauce and and that will work for many many years to come
2: now listen I want to go on record here is the only time I raise my eyes is when you mentioned Goodman but well, that's another story uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't raise my eyes to you you uh, you know the, the seven thousand. I think seven thousand plus was really good crowd. Did you, I mean, look, it, it didn't start off well uh, with the few games. Were you concerned, or is it still a situation where I mean, I I, don't, I think you want them to come for the soccer, but you want them to come to come, and that's why you put on entertaining things and the whole Toyotas and everything you do. Were you? I know you were happy with the crowd. Were you a little concerned after the first few games that they're like, eh, I don't know about this?
3: What I would say is I have full faith in LAFC. That they have a proven track record of of playing uh, winning soccer and putting together a winning organization. So I, you know, I, I don't think I know. In, in in the media, we often try to you know maybe evaluate too quickly. It was too soon after three games when we got a late start um, to, to to judge this in the, in the long term. And I see the resources, I see the investment, I see the uh, support staff and the scouting and the opportunities that the, we're getting through this relationship with LAFC, that, that it's all positive. And so uh, I wouldn't say we had any cold feet at all, right? We continue to see in the medium and long term that this can grow into something really great.
0: When are we getting some promotion announcements? When's the helicopter drop? When's, when's some more of the fun stuff we're doing?
3: Well, we're we got we're, 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 we're circling several dates. Uh, you know, the, the one that we've announced but haven't announced the date, that we, we need to get this date settled and then everything else will fall is our – our friends at the Raiders and doing Raiders night uh, with the lights. Uh, Think Raiders jerseys, uh, think Raiderettes, think Raiders legends, think uh, silver and black all night long. So we'll do something fun with them uh, later this summer. And Once we get that date set with them, uh, we'll get helicopter cash drops and water balloon fights and all kinds of new fun things uh, coming. Don't you worry.
0: Just uh, don't invite the Raiders mascot.
3: Oh, of course he'll be invited. He's uh, going to meet Dolly. No, I'm no, no. for a friend. No, That'll no, no. be perfect.
0: Brett, right now, right now, Google, when you get off the phone with us, Google Raider Rusher, and you will you will not want to invite this thing. It'll it'll scare away the entire crowd. You will have seven people in attendance, and it'll be all the Raiderettes you are, are invited to come there, and that's it. This thing is horrifying. <laughs> Let uh, me tell you,
3: my friend Cash the Soccer Rocker, the coolest mascot in sports, debatable. he'll help him out. He'll eh, help him out. No. You put those two together... Things are going to be good. We might invite buckets even that night. Who knows?
0: Jesus, please not buckets. Listen, uh, this Raider Russia thing doesn't have a torso, Brett. There's no torso (laughs) on this thing. It's a head and legs.
2: I was I was actually going to say if you want a post game press conference, don't ask uh, don't ask Gruden. He won't talk. So you know, be be, be, be careful of who you ask over there if you want quotes after a game.
0: If I if I get a Toyota,
3: Gruden with the llama. I think that'll be a good uh,
0: shot. If I get a Toyota and park out there, can I bring my dog?
3: Uh, on uh, pause on the pitch night, you absolutely can't. Other Ugh. nights, no, Tyler.
0: Why not? It's in my car. It's fine.
3: <laughs> Actually, you know, it's the first time anyone asked, right? If you get it, if you go to John Barr today and you buy a Toyota, I'll let you bring your dog. <laughs> I
0: have to buy a Toyota to bring my. It's like I'll just sneak him, and you won't know. All right, he's Brett Lashbrook, owner of Lights FC. Brett, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thank you, Brett. You guys. Be the lights. Lights play on Friday night, second game of their second home game of the season. Uh, they got a Friday night game. Great job by them on the scheduling because they avoid uh, playing at the same night as what would be a game seven for the Golden Knights and Avalanche.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad. I'm glad he talked about the other teams. I, mean, I, I, you know, I didn't think about that, but the A's would, you know, and, and the A's you think might be somewhat affordable in some sections. Uh, I still think. Look, I still think the people who love the lights and the crowds that Brett's able to get would still go to games. I think, I think there's different niche fan bases, as he said. And I think like people really like their games and they're entertaining. They, you know, they, they go out there no matter who is here. But I just think it's interesting that, you know, all of a sudden now Goodman has switched gears to, Hey, I've talked to major league baseball seven times over the years. Not that major league baseball understands or knows that it appears they don't, (laughs) uh, that, you know, they've kind of switched courses here with the A's instead of Seth Klarman. And, I'm just really interested. And look, I know Brett he is a third party. I get that. It has to be with, with you know the mayor's office and Klarman and dealing with the Renaissance and all that. But I don't know what you think. I just it's weird that there's been like no news at all.
0: Yeah, I think we're looking at the Klarman deal in Major League Soccer through Seth Klarman as probably being dead. They had an exclusive negotiating agreement through April and there was no update on that being extended. So that would presumably say their agreement or their you know, the window to come to an agreement. Is done between Klarman and downtown Las Vegas, which is why she could talk to Major League Baseball or try to talk to Major League Baseball about the Cashman site. So, yeah, I would venture to guess the Klarman deal is not happening unless Seth Klarman comes back and and comes out of nowhere to say, "Okay, let's do this.
2: I know we're late, but I will say this. I don't put anything past Foley if he wants something.
0: Yeah, that's the I don't think would be I yeah. don't think it
2: would be the same deal I think he'd make his own deal but I'm just saying when that guy says something like I don't put anything past him I don't know if it's going to happen but if it's going to happen in town I would think he's the leader in the clubhouse
0: I also don't think he'd want to play in downtown Las Vegas so it'd be somewhere no. else if Bill Foley has a major league soccer team all right he should he should check out Henderson they've got a bunch of lands <laughs> yeah all right here we go we got tickets to give away. Virgin Hotel is opening, and on Thursday, they're having a concert to kick it off with Christina Aguilera, Flowrider, and Mix Master Mike in the theater. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. we got a pair of tickets. you got to be at least 21 to go to the Virgin Hotel opening concert on Thursday. Christina Aguilera, Flowrider, and Mix Master Mike. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 7 at
1: 702-364-1100. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Graney's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. You're sitting in the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at EdGraney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
0: Oh there's nothing like college football coaches being mad. Congratulations to Michael. He won a pair of tickets to the hotel opening at uh the Virgin. He'll get to see Christina Aguilera as well as others on Thursday. Stay tuned. We're going to have said tickets. the one you you knew the name of? Yes, uh the one I've actually heard of before. Uh stay tuned. You
2: haven't heard of Flo Rida?
0: No, Even I have. I have. I have heard a flow rider because it's Florida. But yes, um, stay tuned. We're going to have tickets to uh, give away to Guns N' Roses at Allegiant Stadium in August a little bit later in the show. But David Shaw, head coach at Stanford, is mad at Fox because Stanford is going to play Kansas State this year in Arlington, Texas, a uh, neutral site game. It's going to kick off at 11 a.m. in Arlington, Texas which means it'll be 9 a.m. Pacific time. And here's what David Shaw had to say to The Athletic about this. I am pissed at Fox for our kickoff time against Kansas State. For Stanford in particular and Oregon to be going and playing in a different time zone and give us an early kickoff to me is incredibly disrespectful. And it shows a lack of understanding of what we have to do and the way way that time difference truly affects us. It shows a lack of care for our student-athletes. They can say whatever they want to say. I don't want to hear bleep about, okay. oh, it's great ratings. I don't care about the ratings. So, David Shaw, mad about kickoff times. You think he's got a valid complaint here, or do they just need to suck it up and play at 11 a.m. Central Time?
2: No. I, I think, well, a couple things. One, I love the guy, I love the guy from Stanford started swearing it, uh, about this. That's what makes the story great. Um, I think he has a valid complaint. Um, I know... You know, in the Mountain West, San Diego State and Boise's kicking off at like 9 a.m. It's a valid point, and yet he knows what reality is. It's the reason his league gets 250 million dollars for TV rights. This is what happens. You know, it's it's you know, and and mostly it happens to West Coast schools. Yeah, I I literally remember being at a big Monday game in Provo in BYU uh, at like a 10 o'clock start. It It was so ridiculous. It was like you're looking around. And you're like, how can you do this? Why? Because it was Big money and it was TV. I'm glad David Shaw said this. It's what a lot of people think. It's not going to change anything because Fox and ESPN will not comment on his comments. And they will just say, we are giving you $250 million. You be quiet and you're going to play when we say. So while I think he has a much, an extremely valid point, it won't change anything because TV is going to do what they want. And they're going to say, we write the checks. So you're going to play when we say you're going to play. Of course, it's ridiculous. To fly kids across the country and play at 9 a.m. when their body clocks are at six—it's stupid. But that's what it is, and TV rules that you know rules the day in these situations. And I'm glad he said it, but it's not going to change anything.
0: No, and it's 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 the money. I mean, David Shaw's getting paid yeah. four million dollars a year, and a big part, a big reason why is because fans care about college football, and a big yeah. reason that they make money is because fans watch it on TV. And so, if Fox or ESPN or whatever says, well. You guys aren't as fun yeah. of a game as whatever we're going to have in the afternoon, so we're going to play you at 11 a.m. Central Time. We don't care if you're from the West Coast and it's at 9 a.m. No. If you figure it out and play, you're going to have to do it. And it's it's the same thing in the Mountain West when, what, Boise State and uh, San Diego State play on the Friday after Thanksgiving at 9 a.m. Yeah, Friday a.m. after Thanksgiving See? at
2: 9 a.m. West Coast. I it's I don't know where the game is. If it's Obviously, if it's uh, Boise, it's Mountain, but it's still you're still asking kids to get up at 6 a.m. And I know people out there, oh, too bad they're kids now. I don't think so. But you're exactly right. People want to see their college football first thing. And it's usually the West Coast teams that are probably complaining because of their body clocks. And like I said, I, I think Shaw's a really valid point. I just, when I read it, I just kept going on because I know it's not going to change because TV does what it wants.
0: It will not uh, change. And coaches no. will keep yelling about this until the conferences or the schools become the ones in charge of where their games are broadcast. Right. And what I mean by that is like, take professional sports where like, the Golden Knights are on AT&T Sportsnet, right? The Golden Knights basically control what time they want to play their home games on that air on AT&T Sportsnet. They don't have to worry about, most of the time, some of their national games. There's some national games right. that get some, moved around. Some
2: nationals are out of
0: control. Yeah. But if you had a, you know, there was a Mountain West Network, but if you had a Mountain West Network and you said, every single game we play, we're broadcasting ourselves, then you could set the kickoff times whenever you wanted. But until that happens, they're going to get their $20, 30 $40, 50000000 million dollars from these television networks, and they're going to have to play early in the morning or late at night whenever the television network wants them to play. Mountain
2: West Conference, how much I miss the nickname Winky Dinky Doo. <laughs>